Good morning, America. It is Eric Erickson here. How are you? The phone number. You want to be a part of the program? Oh, man, some of you might. And by the way, the phone lines actually work today. Who knew we had bugs in the system yesterday? The phone number is 877-97-ERIC, 877-973-7425. If you're on the, the, if you texted the word army to 33777 at some point in the past, uh, you got involved in our uh, activist list. You have already received your action alert. You know what's going on. For the rest of you, uh, Republicans in the Georgia House of Representatives have decided to means test the HOPE scholarship. Yes, you heard me. They want a means test, part of the HOPE scholarship. Now, what do I mean by this? Man, y'all, this this is some dirty dealing uh, behind the scenes, and, and they're only just now putting this in writing. that They haven't wanted people to see it, to prove it. Uh, let me tell you what happened yesterday. Uh, late in the day, around 5 p.m., House Republicans uh, cut a deal with House Democrats that the House Democrats would vote to uh, pass a casino, bring a casino into Georgia, in an exchange, House Republicans would means test a portion of the money that goes to the Hope Scholarship. For those of you who don't know, outside of Georgia, the Hope Scholarship was uh, an idea created by Governor Zell Miller in Georgia. Uh, he, you know, he became the senator Democrat, though he backed George W. Bush. Uh, he was a populist. And he had the idea that that any child should be able, if they do well in school, go to college for free if they're academically gifted. And, and the way he decided to do this was with a lottery. Uh, and through a lottery and the funding of the Hope Scholarship, uh, any kid with an A average or a B or an A average uh, could go to college for free in Georgia to a state school or subsidize their private school funding uh, where they wouldn't get it all done. Uh, and one of Zell Miller's arguments was that he knows plenty of people who on paper are wealthy but in reality are indebted or responsible for other people. So it looks like they got high income, but they really don't. Uh, they, they don't have two pennies to rub together because of their debts, because of their obligations to take care of other family, and that we should not hold an academically gifted child to the income of their parents. This is about the kid, not the parents. So we should means test it. So any kid, whether rich or poor, who is good in school can go to college in Georgia for free or at a discounted rate. And that has been the Hope Scholarship. And over the years, changes have been made to tighten it up because uh, they were running out of money. There weren't enough people buying into the lottery, et cetera. And, uh, but they've continued it. They, they've introduced new mechanisms. Well, one of the ways Republicans have decided to fund the Hope Scholarship is gambling. They want to bring in a casino to the state of Georgia. Now, the casino, as the bill was structured, would be somewhat financially ruinous uh, to small businesses, restaurants, uh, entertainment venues in the metro Atlanta area if they put it there. Uh, because part of what they would do, other states that have tried bringing in casinos to prop up their state education scholarships have failed to do so. And the reason they failed to do so is because even the state can't bet against house odds. Uh, the states can't do that. Louisiana... Missouri, Illinois, Maryland, Massachusetts, a bunch of other states have brought in casinos to prop up their state education funding and have failed to get the funding for a variety of reasons. So what Georgia decided to do is if they bring in a casino, 
that uh, about 40% of the money will have to come from entertainment revenue and food revenue, which will incentivize the casinos attracting talent that might go to a Georgia theater or to a Fox theater or to a Macon auditorium and deprive those venues of star talent, getting them to the casino. So you're essentially, you're, you're not really uh, bringing in new revenue. You're just shifting revenue around, hurting the smaller entertainment venues in favor of the casino. That has been the thinking of the Georgia Republicans. Well, the Democrats in Georgia drew a line in the sand. They weren't going to do this unless the Republicans agreed to end the Hope Scholarship as we know it in Georgia. The Hope Scholarship gives everyone, any academically uh, gifted child, a full ride to a, a state education institution. What the, It has never been means tested because they don't want to tie a child's academic future to their parents' income. And oftentimes, as you know, people with high incomes have a lot of debts. And so they can't actually afford to pay kids. And so those kids have to go into debt and get student loans. Well, what the Republicans have decided to do in the state of Georgia is they're going to take the HOPE scholarship and they're going to carve out a portion of it and means test it. So you won't have as much money to go around for every kid to go to school now. They will means test it for a portion of those people, a portion of those kids uh, based on income. Now, Democrats like this because they think overall it will benefit uh, minority students who are tend to be poorer than white, comparable white students. And so it will boost uh, minority participation in colleges and universities. The problem here is it is agreed by all parties there is not enough money to go around in the Hope Scholarship right now. That's why they want a casino. So they're going to bring in a casino and they're going to take part of the revenue and and segregate it off from general hope and make it a specifically means-tested Hope Scholarship. You can see how this plays out long term. There's not enough money already to send all of the eligible kids to college on the HOPE scholarship, and they're going to deprive the funding of additional funds and instead means-tested. What happens when the Democrats come back and say, well, there's not enough money in the means-tested portion? Where do you think they're going to get the money from? If the Republicans are willing to cave on this, they're going to more thoroughly cave overall. They are essentially ending the HOPE scholarship as we know it to means-test it. And they're doing it to get a casino. This is the deal with the Democrats and Republicans and the Georgia House of Representatives cut overnight last night. They will begin means testing a portion of the Hope Scholarship. The Republicans will, in exchange, the Democrats will give them the two-thirds votes they need for the casino. That is it. Uh, now, if you are opposed to means testing the Hope Scholarship, uh, it is very easy for you to take action. I have set it up so you can call your state representative and tell them to kill the casino deal and the Hope deal. All you have to do is text the word ACTION to 55444. The number is 55444. All you do is you text the word ACTION to 55444, and you will get a link. One is for the House, one is for the Senate, because you know the Senate has, uh, they approved uh, adding first responders to the hate crimes legislation, and the Senate Rules Committee uh, took it out last night. And said they're not actually going to protect police officers under hate crimes legislation. So you'll get two links, one to call the Senate and tell them to put it back in, and the other, other to call the House and tell them to save the Hope Scholarship. There is a real problem here with tinkering with the Hope Scholarship because you set the precedent for future means testing of more funds from the Hope Scholarship. I mean, it, it's, it, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to understand what's going to happen. You're going to carve out money from the Hope Scholarship that could go to your kids who have busted their butts to make good grades, 
and you're going to give it to uh, poorer families. And in those poor families, there's not an academic standard. If there was an academic standard, you wouldn't need to means test it. Why do you need to meet? If you get a B or an A, you go to college under the Hope Scholarship. So why are you means testing the Hope Scholarship unless you're going to lower the academic standard? All the kids have to do is make the academic standard in their school. So by carving out money and making it means tested, you are essentially lowering the academic standard for some of the kids who would otherwise be eligible for the Hope Scholarship if they raised their grades academically. And you're going to target poor families because Democrats believe this will actually help minority families. What it actually then does is it lowers the academic standards for minority families to get into the Hope Scholarship. And maybe we need to do something for poor minority families whose kids are in failing schools who want to go to college. But I would suggest to you the, the way to do it is to find new revenue to do a new type of scholarship in that case that is means tested and not deprive everybody else of Hope Scholarship. I mean, the whole reason for having the casino is because we're short of money for the Hope Scholarship. So you bring in the casino and you take the money that would have gone to the Hope Scholarship and now say, no, we're gonna, we're gonna carve out part of Hope to be means tested. This is gonna end badly. You know what's gonna happen too, you can see it. Look how easily the Republicans continue to cave in the Georgia legislature on everything. So what happens next year when they decide there are more kids who want to get in through the means testing program. Well, they're going to have to move more money out of the general hope fund, or they're going to have to find money to roll into that. And you know, what's not going to happen when you find other money to roll into that. You're not going to add money to the hope scholarship. So you're going to be over time whittling away the number of kids academically successful who should be able to call go to college on their own merits. You know, I, I got to tell you, uh, I'm sensitive to this one. And the reason I am is is I got a really good scholarship to go to Mercer. I got a scholarship to go to Duke, and I got a scholarship to go to Mercer. I wound up going to Mercer because I had a bad experience when I was touring Duke. And uh, the, the Mercer scholarship was fairly comparable, but I did need some money to pay for college. And I couldn't get a subsidized federal loan because on paper, my dad made so much money I couldn't get it. So I had to get an unsubsidized federal loan. And my parents couldn't just write a check because they had obligations to take care of my grandparents. I, I had two sisters. So on paper, it looked like they were financially well off. But but in reality, they had debts and obligations to take care of other members of the family, my grandparents and the like. So I, I finally paid off my undergraduate student loans. I've still, I looked actually this morning, I got my statement. In the mail. I got 57000 more dollars to pay off on my federal student loans for law school. I hadn't practiced law in 20 years. It's crazy. But when you do that to kids who are academically gifted, you you settle, we're at a we're at a point in this country where people say student loans are bad. Uh, too many kids are going to too many colleges, getting too many student loans. In Georgia, we have the Hope Scholarship, where it doesn't depend on the income of your parents; it depends on your academic success. And now we're telling the kids, uh, no, actually, we're going to punish you because of your parents' income. We're going to saddle you with burdens we're not going to saddle other people with because of your parents. We're going to deprive, and, and and this is this is this is the kicker. If a poor student in Georgia makes good grades, it doesn't matter what their parents' income is either. The Hope Scholarship has always been the great equalizer, which is what Zell Miller always wanted. It doesn't matter whether your parents are rich or poor. You make good grades, you get a full ride to college. 
And now the Georgia Republicans, the Georgia Republicans have decided to end that. The Georgia Republicans have decided to kill hope, to defund hope, to take money from hope and set up this new program that will cause hope to be underfunded. You need to get on the phones and take action on this. I, I can only tell you what's going on. Here's the, here's the other thing is they decided not to put it in writing last night. They didn't want you to know. They want to be able to deny it. So here's what's going to happen. You, you text ACTION to 55444. You'll be able to send emails, tweets. You'll even be able to pick up the phone and call them. And here's where they're going to tell you, oh, no, no, no. Either they'll tell you no deal has actually been put in writing, which is true. Or they'll tell you, well, no, we're just going to take new money and put it into this means testing. We're not undermining hope. We're just taking additional revenue. But where's that additional revenue coming from? The casino. And why do they want a casino? Well, they wanted it to fund hope. So they're taking the money that would otherwise go to hope and they're spreading it now to something else. I know, a you know, I was talking to Chris Burns yesterday from Dynamic Money. Uh, he sponsors the program. He's my financial advisor. Says they got a lot of parents who do their financial planning and they always get to, how are you going to pay for your kid's college? And they say, you know what? We've got the Hope Scholarship. We don't need to worry about it. Well, if the Republicans go down this road, suddenly a lot of people who haven't been setting money aside for their kid's academic career because the kids are eligible for HOPE, they're going to have to go redo their financial planning and start saving some serious dollars. And this is on the Republicans in the House of Representatives in Georgia. It's not on the Democrats. It's the Republicans who have agreed to this. It is the Republicans who need to call them and take a stand against this. It is the Republicans in Georgia who are trying to kill the HOPE scholarship all for a casino. You can serve God or money. And the Republicans in the House have decided to be absolute horrors to money. Again, you can text the word ACTION to 55444. Well, let me explain to you how this ACTION system works. Uh, you get two links into – I maintain an activist portal. I, I, I pay for it out of my own pocket. Um, I, in fact, you'll get an e if you use it, you will get an email uh, asking for – if you, if you want to – uh, subsidize the cost of it because I it, it really comes out of my pocket, not out of the show. But we don't have a budget in the show to pay for it, so I do it. Um, but w what it is, it's actually a very cool system I use. Uh, it's called Phone to Action, and you put in your name and your zip code. You, you text Action to five five four four four, and you get a link. You click the link, and it opens a website on your phone, your your uh, tablet, wherever. And uh, you put in your name and your address, and it can figure out who your state senator, state state representative, senator, congressman, whatever is. And I've got it set up. Uh, so like, for example, on the casinos, you click it, you put in your information and it'll generate a, an email. You don't have to write it. I've already written it for you. A tweet. I've already written it for you. Uh, and we'll automatically send those out. If you have Twitter, if you don't have Twitter, you, you won't get the, the tweet button. Uh, but then there's a phone option, and if you do the phone option, uh, you'll hear my voice say, I'm going to connect you to your state representative, tell them to, to kill this casino deal, and it'll call their assistant. It's really cool tech. Uh, also have it on the on the Senate side for hate crimes. You'll go through it, and it'll email your state senator, say, make sure police are a protected class. And, and again, if you're just tuning in, uh, the Senate, yesterday I told you the Senate uh, Judiciary Committee added first responders as a protected class in the hate crimes legislation. Democrats complained about it so much. The Republicans took it out. Why are the Republicans coddling the Democrats on all of this stuff? Why are the Republicans behaving? What is the point of having a Republican majority if the Democrats get everything they want? 
I mean, at this point, the Republicans are just being bullied by the Democrats. They're curled up in the fetal position crying. There seems to be no leadership in the House or the Senate uh, taking a Republican stand. It's just whatever the Democrats want, get it to them. Make them go away. And and then you know what the Democrats will say in, in November? Look at all the stuff we've gotten. Look at all the stuff we've gotten from the Republicans. Imagine how much more we could get. If you put us in charge, really, really unbelievable that they would do this, but they are. And in November, do you really think suburban moms are going to applaud the Republicans gutting the hope scholarship for their kids? Because that's what they're doing. That that's exactly what they're doing. You got to take a stand. You got to take a stand for what's right. It, it, it is it is wrong to gut the Hope Scholarship. It is wrong to means test the Hope Scholarship when it should be based on the academics of the kids involved, not their parents' income. Whether you are a poor kid or a rich kid, if you go to school and you make good grades, you should be able to go to college under the Hope Scholarship. The state under Zell Miller found a way to fund the Hope Scholarship, and now Republicans want to end it. You should take a stand on this. You should. Now, there's other news happening that we need to get to, including uh, there are reports out of Washington. After yesterday, I I wrote in my newsletter the president needed to fire someone. Today, there are reports out that Brad Parscale, the president's campaign manager, is planning on resigning. Um. he probably should. Y'all, I, uh, listen, there were a lot of excuses. I was actually kind of surprised by the excuses made, um, it, 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 by the excuses made. I was, I was actually really surprised. And today, la- last night and today, uh, the president's team, they're all out saying, uh, you know what? Uh, Fox News. So many people stayed home. They watched it on Fox News. Hi, and there were there were like seven or eight million viewers on Fox News on Saturday night, which was a great showing for for Fox on the weekend. But it's not the same as an in person crowd, and they promised us hundreds of thousands of people. And I know what you're saying. That well, all the progressives they got the tickets, and so nobody could go except 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 except. It didn't matter. Didn't matter how many progressives got tickets because there was no cap on the tickets. It didn't matter. Did not matter. Um, It did not matter because even if progressives got a million tickets, conservatives could have gotten two million tickets. And the only way the media knew how many tickets were out there is because Brad Parscale and the campaign bragged about it. I mean, you know, there there is a legitimate there is a legitimate argument that a lot of people didn't show up because they heard a million people got tickets. They didn't want to show up in the crowd. They decided they'd stay home. But they only knew a million people got tickets because the Trump campaign told them a million people got tickets. That's the only reason anyone knew. The media wouldn't have known. The media wouldn't have reported it unless the Trump team had bragged about it, and they chose to brag about it. And as a result, it kept people from going. Then you can say, well, well, how could they know? I mean, uh, they could have, a million people could have gotten them and it turned out to be progressives who didn't show up. 
well, they've told us all along this is a Death Star campaign. This, this is the Death Star. Well, it rarely was. It blew up. I mean, these are masters of data analytics. According, according to what they themselves have said, they're masters of data analytics, and they failed to analyze the data. I will get back to the recipes. I promise uh, you, you can. But right now, we, we need to focus on on taking action. Uh, action to five five four four four. Stand up to the Georgia Legislature. Uh, those of you who are on the on our Army of Activists list, uh, you got the email this morning. Check your email; it should be there. Right now, I want to tell you about a a new advertiser to the program that I'm such a fan of, uh, True Precision. Uh, if you go to their website, which is true-precision.com, you can see what they do, which is really remarkable. Um, barrels and slides, uh, uh, it's grips for your guns, uh, triggers. It just, I've got a Glock 43. I, I'm friends with, uh, the, the, uh, Jimmy and Jason Allen who run True Precision. Uh, they are genius gunsmiths. And they actually, you can go to my Instagram page, E.W. Erickson on Instagram and see my Glock 43. They were concerned. I've got a Glock 19. I've, I've got an H, a HK. I've got a CZ. Um, and I got a, actually got a couple of Glocks. And they're all nine millimeter. I don't, I, my wife actually has a 45. I've got nine millimeters. Uh, and, but I don't have one that was small enough really to conveniently concealed carry. And they were concerned given some of the, the incidents that happened in my life. And so they they made one and they sent it to me last year and it I mean I got to pick the slide I, I got to pick uh, it, it was it was awesome and it is such a good looking gun and it is it's um it it's small it's great for concealed carry it's got a camo pattern on it that's got a better grip than the standard Glock grip it's got a better trigger uh, the sights they've redone it's just it's good and that's what they do. And if you order and use my first name, Eric, E-R-I-C-K, uh, at checkout online on their website, true-precision.com, use Eric, E-R-I-C-K, as a checkout code, you get 10% off. And they will, uh, they specialize, they've got Glock, SIG, M&P, uh, they've got thread protectors, uh, they've got uh, Glock, Glock slides for the 43, the 43X is what they actually sent me. Uh, the SIG P365 Axiom slide that they've got. You, you need to go check it out uh, because it's just awesome what they've done. Um, go, I mean, go check out the, the Glock 43 Axiom slide on their website, true-precision.com. Uh, it really is just awesome. I can't really use the awesome language that I would use to describe it, but I am a big fan of these guys and what they do. And you can get 10% off, but what you got to do is go to true-precision.com to check them out. That is their website. And uh, you can upgrade your guns. I love having a gun advertiser on the program. And I love having them as a gun advertiser because I actually have one of their guns. And it is glorious. Uh, I love it. Uh, you can check out their coatings, their finishes. Man, they do all sorts of awesome stuff with their guns. And and also their photographer, which is kind of cool, is, is the same photographer I use for my radio stuff, Caleb, who's an awesome photographer. You you, you got to go check out their stuff, true-precision.com. Thanks to them for sponsoring the program. Uh, you got to go order from them so it's it, they get some return on advertising on the program. It's a great way to support me is to support my awesome advertisers, all of them I know and like, especially these guys, and go to Instagram to E.W. Erickson and check out my gun because, man, it's an awesome gun. Um, okay. We got to move on to other stuff. I want to play you a clip from Tom Cotton. Witness the events of just this past weekend where mobs tore down statues of George Washington, 
and Ulysses S. Grant. When you tear down statues of Washington and Grant, it's not about the Civil War, it's because you hate America. And indeed, these rioters hate America. In Portland, where they tore down the statue of Washington, they also spray painted on him the date 1619, a reference to the New York Times's revisionist anti-American history project. Yeah, so yes, they're tearing down Grant, they're tearing down the Washington, they want to tear down Teddy Roosevelt, and now they're tearing down Andrew Jackson in Lafayette Park. They weren't successful tearing down the statue. They tried to tear down the statue, uh, and and they they couldn't get the statue torn down. Uh, the police stopped them. Uh, they they are talking about the 1619 riots. By the way, the the uh, the woman who came up with the 1619 project to revise American history uh, to fit her sense of hating America, uh, she's she's kind of proud that they're calling them the 1619 riots now. She completely revised American history. And, you know, when we get closer to the 4th of July, I want to spend a little more time on this of what exactly is going on here with this revisionism. Uh, but uh, she revised it. She's quite happy with them calling him the 1619 riots. And now they're trying to tear down all sorts of money. It's Bill de Blasio, the mayor of New York now, is okay tearing down the Teddy Roosevelt statue. Have you ever stood and <clears throat> taken a look at the Theodore Roosevelt uh, statue out in front uh, on Central Park West there? And if so, what went through your mind and what do you, how do you feel about its removal? Yeah, I have looked at it, Rich. And I think um, Roosevelt himself is a, another one of these complex figures in American history. He did some extraordinarily progressive things that we feel to this day. And he did some things that I think are deeply troubling. But I think there's a separate question between him, the person, and the actual statue. The statue has representations that... Uh, clearly do not uh, represent today's values. Uh, the statue clearly you know, presents a white man as superior to people of color. And that's just not acceptable in this day and age. And it never should have been acceptable. So I know the museum feels it's best to take it down. I support that decision. I, I think you know, they, they felt that's what was right for them as a museum. And I understand why they're doing it, and I respect it. Listen, uh, there is a, there are a couple of points here. One is it is a decision of the museum and not the mob. And some of the family of uh, Theodore Roosevelt is okay with them taking it down. But two, to, to use current standards, to use current standards to look backwards in history and say, well, not a nice guy, Let, let's tear his statue down and ignore the reasons for the statues to begin with. Uh, it, it plays completely into the hands of those who say we're, we're, we're sliding down the slope. We shouldn't slide. My, my buddy John Davison over at the Federalist actually has a thought-provoking piece today. Uh, uh, yes, we had more me, uh, people die no, in nursing stop, homes stop, than stop. anywhere else. I hit the wrong key on my keyboard, and that's what happens. Uh, no, no, no. Let's go Federalist. Um, John Davidson has this Federalist piece up, and it's actually worth considering. Uh, wrong one. Um, his basic point is that we, there are a number of conservatives who have come out and have said, okay, tear down the Confederate statues. I, I'm one of them says, you know what? Okay. Tear down the Confederate statues. 
John Davidson actually has a piece, Conservatives Should Accept the Left's Corrupt View of American History. Last week, as statues of George Washington and Thomas Jefferson, among many others, were pulled down by angry mobs, conservative writers Rich Lowry and Philip Klein were pinning throat-clearing columns explaining how it's wrong to pull down monuments to the founders, but okay to remove the Confederate statues because, you see, Confederates were traitors who fought for slavery, which, of course, they were. But at this point, it would be hard to imagine an argument more detached from reality. Lowry and Klein and all the other conservatives who have made the case for a civilized and nuanced iconoclasm in recent years are arguing a point exactly no one is debating right now, least of all the woke mob. Confederate statues shouldn't be vandalized, but they should be reconsidered, writes Lowry in a column arguing conservatives should feel no investment in Confederate monuments, unlike monuments to the founders. But weren't many of the founders also slave owners? Yes, but you see, in 2020, we do not celebrate Washington or Jefferson as slaveholders, explains uh, Phil Klein. We celebrate Washington as a general who led our struggle for independence and who was the first president. See the fine distinction? To read this stuff, you'd think municipal governments across the country were right now having massive town hall meetings with an engaged and informed citizenry debating the relative merits of their public monuments in good faith and, in an orderly and democratic way, voting to have them relocated to a local museum or a Civil War battlefield, maybe with explanatory plaques for added historic contests. If that's what you're thinking is happening, I have a statue of Robert E. Lee to sell you. Let's be clear, the mobs pulling down statues make no distinction between Confederate and Union, slave trader or abolitionist, secessionist or pro-Union. They make no distinction between American, Spanish, or Cherokee. They do not care if the monument was erected in the 19th century or the 21st. Ulysses S. Grant, whose statue in San Francisco's Golden Gate Park was toppled by a mob on Friday, is as wicked as Confederate General Nathan Bedford Forrest, whose statue was removed from a Memphis park in 2017 and whose remains, along with his wife's, will soon be dug up and carried off to an undisclosed location. I got to tell you, he does make me rethink the situation. I'm I'm not in favor of the Confederate monuments. But he is right that essentially you're negotiating with the mob by saying, okay, get rid of these and, and not these. And the mob's not listening to anyone. So why should we take them seriously or give in to them at all? Should there be a reasonable discussion about keeping the Confederate monuments and if not, what to do with them? Yeah, I, I think there should be. I do think it is it is valid and relevant that there are a good portion of American citizens who look on these monuments and they say, you know what? These people wanted to keep my family enslaved. And maybe we shouldn't be putting these statues in places of prominence. Maybe we should move them somewhere. But that's a conversation that we should have through democratic means, not through mob action. And I think John Davidson is right on that. And the mob is failing to distinguish any of them, so why should we give in to them at all? I think that's a fair point as well. I, I, I think you, you do have to consider these things. And I, I think he is right for wanting us to consider these things. I think he is right for saying, don't give in to the mob right now. Don't don't fold against the mob. If the mob fails to distinguish, then we should dig our heels in against the mob and, and have a reasoned discussion later. I personally like what has been done down in Macon, where I live. Um, someone ha- They've erected a barrier around the Confederate monument downtown, and, and they've used it as a mural. They've painted the faces of, of George Floyd and others. Uh, they, they've painted diverse faces, messages, 
And so you can see the Confederate statue, but you can't get to the Confederate statue. Just as you can't get back that time, you can't get back that statue. It's there. You can see it. You can recall what it stands for. You can't see the dedication to it, but you can see the faces and the art surrounding it. And I kind of like that. And maybe that's the way to go forward is put murals so you see the Confederate statues. But surrounding the Confederate statues is, is something else, something of hope and progress. But it does, it, it should bother all of us that the mob came for Andrew Jackson. Look, Andrew Jackson, uh, history, I think, notes that Andrew Jackson wasn't ultimately a, a very nice person, what he did with the American Indians and the like, but he was also an awesome general and a transformative president of the United States. And, uh, you know, they're, they're not coming from Woodrow Wilson, who propped up, resegregated the American military and, and was a racist himself, genuinely was a racist. At, at a time where the country, it was past the Civil War, and the President of the United States, well, it was deeply divisive. I mean, for everyone who hates Donald Trump and claims he's a racist, pay attention to what Woodrow Wilson did. But Andrew Jackson was a product of his era. He was a great American patriot and general and President of the United States who transformed society and, and resurrected the Democratic Party uh, in its own right in a way that that has, to some degree, continued up until modern times. Tearing down his statue, particularly in a federal park, Lafayette Park, outside the White House, is absurd that they would do it. Tearing down the statue of General Grant, absurd. Tearing down the statue of George Washington, absurd. Tearing down the saint in San Francisco, I forget the saint's name, but he protected American Indians from Spanish uh, forces that wanted to enslave them, and they tore down his statue because he wasn't woke enough back in the day. There's a level of revisionism going on on the American left. I do find it deeply ironic. Did y'all hear about this? <laughs> they left the statue of Lenin in San Francisco. Now, why did they leave the statue of Lenin in San Francisco? Ironically, because it was on private property. I kid you not. That's right. The woke mob left the Lenin statue on private property. Vladimir Lenin rolls over in his grave. <laughs> the idea that his statue is on private property, he'd be cheering on the mob. That's they, all, all tyrants and dictators, they tear down the statue. The Taliban did it. Uh, the Nazis did it. The communists did it. Uh, and, and then, you know, the, the people who revolted over communism and Nazism, they tore down their statues. Uh, in this country, though, the idea that somehow this country is bad, you know, this country is flawed. We're a country full of sinners. So, of course, there's sin in the land. But as opposed to blowing up, our founding and and in saying we got to start over why not try to live up to our founders even our founders recognize when you read their documents they weren't living up to the founding ideals they didn't want slavery in the country that that's where the 1619 project lies about it uh, the founders actually did not want to keep slavery in the country but they just decided they were they were more interested in in establishing their own nation apart from the united kingdom and the revolution was important, and so they had to do all of that and said, oh, we'll kick the slave, and they kept kicking the can and kicking the can and kicking the can. And they never got to it, and it led to the Civil War because of their failures. But they set high ideals, and maybe we should live up to them instead of trying to throw them all out. Well, this is shaping up to be a disaster. Word from the state Senate. Uh, the reporting out of the Rules Committee is back to the lieutenant governor's version of the hate crimes bill, with a quirk, if you are accused of a hate crime under this law, there will be a report filed with all of your personal information labeling you a hate criminal. 
It will not require due process, just the filing of a complaint. Uh, Open season on conservatives, no doubt. Uh, The left will file complaints against you for hate crimes, and the police under this legislation will be obligated uh, to report you as a uh, hate criminal, even though you've never been convicted of a crime. They'll be obligated to file a report uh, with your personal information. Uh, Man, the GOP is just screwing this up. Uh, so I, I will I will have to take some time out here shortly for an action alert on this. Uh, make sure you text the word action to five five four four four. At least put um, at least put the um, the first responders back in the legislation. But we're going to have to delve into this and 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 see what we can do to to fight this because this is shaping up to be an unmitigated disaster. Uh, with the Republicans in the in the state Senate uh, with this legislation. Very, very bad move by the lieutenant governor to have this report filed when you haven't been convicted of a crime with your personal information. Uh, they're going to need to fix this. They're, they're fundamentally going to need to fix this. this. This is a bad move all around. Um, I will keep you posted on that. Yeah, I, I got to play you some audio from, from the genius, uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. We have an update. You know, we have our, um, uh, deep thoughts by Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. I, we got to update some of them because this one's just too good. You, you got to listen to this. And now that you talk about race, uh, what do you think the Latinx community should do to stop racism among them and among other races? Yeah, well, the first thing that's so important is for us to talk about racism within our community and how we fit both, how we are both impacted by racism in the United States and across the world, but also how it exists within our own communities. And, um, you know, a lot of times I'll hear people say, okay, this is about Black Lives Matter. What about Latinos? And I always say, Latinos are Black. (laughs) We we are Afro-Latina. And... Um, we, we run an entire racial spectrum. And so we have to have conversations around colorism. And we have to have conversations about the African and indigenous roots from which we come and how that's reflected in systems of power, wealth inequality, and frankly, our, our political system. So, by the way, first of all, only uh, only highly educated white people use the term Latinx. There was actually some polling done in the Hispanic community. The majority of people in the Hispanic community use the phrase Hispanic, not Latino. But only about 2% of people in uh, who identify uh, as part of the Latino or Hispanic community use Latinx. Uh, the, 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 um, uh, the transgender, the, the, the non-gendered version uh, for, for Latino, Latina, Latinx. Uh, white liberals like uh, Elizabeth Warren use it, and good progressives, uh, Hispanic progressives like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez use it. Her interviewer, some white liberal, uh, Latinx, uh, concerned about Latin. Nobody in the Latino community uses the phrase, but it makes good white liberals in their uh, woke religion feel good, which is ridiculous. But the idea that, that if you're if you're Hispanic or Latino, you're black. Now, I remember when Trayvon Martin was killed, there was a rush to identify George Zimmerman as, as a white guy, as a white Hispanic. I didn't know there was such a thing as a white Hispanic, but apparently there is. You're either a white Hispanic or you're a black Hispanic. And now, according to Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, if you're Latino, you're black. Did you know?
Did you know if you were Latino, you were actually black? I, I This is new to me. I bet it's new to the rest of you as well. Great googly moogly. Ah, bizarre. More on the, all this nonsense when we come back. Right now, I want to tell you, uh, time is running out to get into the payroll protection program. If you need into the payroll protection program, you need to go to firstlibertyga.com. First Liberty Building and Loan, they're in Noonan, the Frost family. They've been helping small and mid-sized businesses since 1993 become large businesses, getting them access to capital. If you are a business that needs access to capital, uh, they, they can in, in, in the, they're at the, the multi-million dollar level of doing deals and loans for businesses. Uh, so if you need them, go to them. If you need a loan for your business, go to First Liberty Building Loan. But more particularly, if you need into the payroll protection program, go to FirstLibertyGA.com. You can apply on their website, get your payroll together. Remember, time is running out. They stop taking applications at the end of the month. And so you need to get into the program right now if you um, if you want into the program at all. Uh, so get your application and they're great people. I know the Frost family. They're happy to help. I heard from lots of you that they were able to get you into the program. They can't guarantee you access to the program, but they want to help you get into the program. Again, their website is firstlibertyga.com. You can see the apply now button at the top of their website. It takes a little time to get you into the program. So you better get going because time is running out to even get your application in. In February, when COVID-19 was a distant concept to most Americans, gold was in the $1,500 range. The Dow was over 29000 Today, as the virus tears apart the economy, gold's over $1,700, and the Dow is around 24000 to 26000 Wobbling in between, major market disruptions favor gold. Instability, uncertainty, impending inflation, they all favor gold. If you've not diversified some of your savings into gold, there's no better time than today. Protect your savings from further setbacks in the stock market. Gold, it's a safe haven. The company I trust with precious metal purchases is Birch Gold Group. And right now, thanks to a little-known IRS tax law, you can even move your IRA or your eligible 401k into an IRA backed by physical gold and silver. It's perfect for those who want to protect their hard-earned retirement savings from any more downturns in the stock market. Look back historically, when the bottom falls out of everything else, gold tends to be a safeguard savings. Contact Birch Gold Group to request a free info kit on physical precious metals. See if diversifying into gold and silver makes sense for you. The comprehensive 20-page kit reveals how gold and silver can protect your savings and how you can legally move your IRA or your 401k out of risky stocks and bonds into a precious metals IRA. To get your no-cost, no-obligation kit, go to birchgold.com slash Erickson. That's B-I-R-C-H gold.com slash Erickson, E-R-I-C-K. K-S-O-N. Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number. You want to join me today on the phone? You can. I'll allow it. The phone number is 877-97-ERIC. 877-973-7425. This hour of the program is brought to you by a delicious sponsor, Mrs. Griffin's Barbecue Sauce. It's tasty barbecue sauce. Uh, genuinely tasty barbecue sauce. You know, so a buddy of mine, just as a random aside, uh, I, I helped get him a job in Washington. He's from Kansas City, and he sent me a giant box of barbecue sauces uh, from Kansas City. And there were vinegar ones and mustard ones and, and really sweet ones and really hot ones. And 
Mrs. Griffin's is still hands down better than all of them. If you haven't tried it, it's locally made, lo- locally locally produced here in, in middle Georgia. You can get it all over Georgia. Uh, go to mrsgriffins.com as well. You can order from them and get a great deal. Um, but, it, man, it's just it's it's good barbecue sauce. Check it out. Uh, there's a big stack of it over at my Publix. And the Mrs. Griffin's people, they go stock it up themselves. So uh, go for it. Check them out. And thank you to them for their sponsorship. Uh, just Just delicious stuff. Now. I need to bring you up to speed. Uh, Senate Republicans here in Georgia, and, and my apologies to so many of you uh, who are listening outside of Georgia, but even you here uh, need to, um, even here, we need to consider what's going on in the state of Georgia. Because what is happening here with Republicans is something that will happen uh, across the nation as Republicans get scared. And let me explain to you first. Let, let me let me set up to you what's going on here. Um, what's going on here is Republicans don't want to admit to you that they are afraid they are getting wiped out in November. I was actually, I I was having this conversation with a Republican consultant. So Republican consultant friend of mine was venting that because so many people, myself included, got 2016 wrong, that a lot of the president's core supporters don't want to listen to them about 2020. Uh, And the data is fundamentally different in 2020. For example, in 2016, you were talking about a four-point margin of the polls, which is enough with the Electoral College to overcome it. Now you're talking about a 12 to 15 point margin between uh, Joe Biden and Donald Trump, which is a problem. But on top of that, in 2016, you still had high favorability for Republicans in state polling. And in 2020, that has shifted pretty dramatically. Republicans tied to the president are viewed as not good people by the public. They may not like the Democrats, but they genuinely hate the president. And Republican consultants are starting to get freaked out by this because they're seeing it in their fundraising. For example, right now, uh, don't don't believe the polling, believe the money. The Democrats have raised more money from small donors than the Republicans for Congress, for the House. They've raised more money from small donors for the Senate. They've raised more money than from small donors for governor's mansions. They've raised more money from small donors for state legislative races. And they've raised more money from small donors for the presidency. Uh, people are voting with their money, with their pocketbook, and they're funding the Democrats right now. And it's got Republican consultants freaked out. Now, there's still time to change. There's still time to change. But this is why the Republicans in Georgia are panicked. They are doing multiple contradictory things without a strategy. The Democrats have them on the run, and they're about to sell out their base, which is going to have long-term far-reaching, caustic consequences for Republicans in the state of Georgia. Let me explain. As of this very moment, it is 10 after the hour, uh, 10 10, 10 a.m. right now when I'm doing this, for those of you listening in delay. The Republican Senate in the Rules Committee has taken law enforcement and first responders out of the hate crimes legislation, and they have put in a provision for reporting that if anyone reports you, you need to follow along with me. This is the most important thing you're going to hear today. This morning, Republicans in the Senate Rules Committee inserted a provision into the hate crimes measure where if you are reported for a hate crime, 
if someone says you've committed a hate crime, the police will be required to file a public report with your public information, even though you haven't been convicted. You will be listed as being uh, a, a hate cri- a hate criminal by the police in this report. They will list you as people have complained that you've committed a hate crime, and it will list your home address and your contact information. That's what the Republicans and the Georgia Senate are doing. If someone accuses you of a hate crime, the police will be required to file a public report with your name and address that you've been accused of a hate crime. The mob is going to use this against you. The mob is going to come for you if this passes the state Senate like this. And the Republicans in the state Senate are pushing this. The Republicans in the state Senate are scared. The Republicans in the state Senate want to make it look like they're doing something good. And so the Republicans in the state Senate are on the verge of passing a law that facilitates and emboldens the mob to come for you. Think about what can happen. Your neighbor gets mad at you, so your neighbor says you've committed a hate crime. Under the law as written, there will be no punishment for your neighbor making a false claim. But the police will have to write a report that lists you and your personal information saying you've been accused of a hate crime by someone. That's what will happen with the state Senate's legislation. Uh, On the House side, they're gutting the HOPE Scholarship. Republicans in the House of Representatives have decided to upend the HOPE Scholarship, where they will means test a portion of it. They will take money. You you know, they they want a casino, and they want the Democrats' votes for a casino, and they want the money for the casino to fund the HOPE Scholarship, and now they've decided they're going to take some of the money and actually cut off part of the HOPE Scholarship and means test it. This is amazing. They're going to cause open season on really conservatives because, you know, uh, progressive activists are going to use this against you. They're going to use it against me for sure. And they're also going to deprive your kids of an academic scholarship uh, because you make money and your kids have busted their butt to get into college and now the Republicans are going to punish you. The Hope Scholarship has always been about your kids' academic success, not about your income. And the Republicans are changing this, too, to get Democratic votes for a casino. Now, if you want to take a stand, text the word ACTION to 55444, and you'll get two links back. I'll text you back right away, two links, one for the House, one for the Senate, to tell them to kill the casino measure. And I got to update the the hate crimes one, uh, but they've taken police protection out of it as well. They put it in, and now they've taken it back out. Uh, but you'll be able to, there's a little phone button on the Senate one. You follow the Senate one, there's a little phone button. You can call them, tell them to kill this hate crimes nonsense. Just tell them to kill it. Uh, it, it is, it, it's not good what they've done uh, and it needs to be stopped. Uh, you need to take action now to kill the hate crimes legislation. This is outrageous. It will be open season on conservatives. Just think about those of you who live in Athens. Uh, you're listening uh, right now in Athens on my flagship station, and you're surrounded in, in a progressive enclave. And let's say some of you have the old Georgia flag sticker on your car, you know, the one with the Confederate battle flag. One of those good leftists from the University of Georgia decides that's a hate crime, and they call the police that you've committed a hate crime. It's going to go 
in the permanent public record that someone is accusing you of a hate crime? Will it impact your job? Will you lose your job? You could. It's going to be a public record. My God, why, 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 Bob, why are you hiring this guy? The police issue a report that he was accused of a hate crime at a Confederate battle flag, even though it was the Georgia flag. I mean, that's the practical result of what the left is doing now. And then think about the opportunities to, to be doxxed or, or swatted. You know, I was swatted several years ago. My sister and her husband uh, were at our house for Memorial Day. Gosh, I was at CNN at the time. This is 2012, probably. 2011, 2012, I was writing about a guy who, uh, ironically, when you tended to write about him, you tended to get uh, swatted. And I wrote about him and I got swatted. Now, what is swatting? Well, a police officer pulled into my driveway uh, with his hand on his gun. Another police officer blocked the driveway with his hand on his gun. And the SWAT team was in the woods behind my house because someone called 911 claiming to be me that I had murdered my wife and I was going to go across the street and shoot up the neighbors because their music was too loud. So they surrounded my house. In North Georgia, this happened to a guy. He got killed by the police. I've got a buddy of mine who lives out in Los Angeles. And I, um, I <laughs> he, at 1 o'clock in the morning, had helicopters fly over his house. His front door was kicked in, and his family was dragged out of the house at gunpoint because the same person called 911 on him, uh, routed it through the Internet, uh, it masked the phone number, so it looked like it was him. And um, it, 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 it crazy. Uh, he, he got pulled out of his house at gunpoint by the police because of this 911 phone call claiming that he was murdering his family. Thankfully, I, literally, I popped. I saw the police pull in the driveway, and I, I knew what was probably happening. And uh, so I, I walked out of my house, and uh, the police officer looked at me. He said, aren't you on CNN? And I, I fell out laughing and said, yeah, I bet someone called 911 and said I killed my wife. And he said, yeah, is your wife here? And she came outside uh, and, and saw the police. And everything was calm uh, that they, they instantly, both police officers instantly, instantly re relaxed. I had no idea until I talked to a DA afterwards that the SWAT team was behind my house in the woods, which was kind of funny because my brother-in-law, you can hear the, the road noise from our house. And my brother-in-law had remarked, he said, man, it's gotten really quiet. And it sure had gotten quiet. It's like there must have been a wreck. Traffic was blocked. No, the police had blocked it off just in case I really was a madman uh, gunning down people. This, this happened to me. And now, thanks to the geniuses in the Georgia Senate and the good intentions, frankly, of the lieutenant governor who actually wanted to do substance substantive, and I think they, they poorly wrote this provision, you're going to have uh, progressives filing reports on conservatives that offend them, and those conservatives will be in a permanent public file that they've been accused of a hate crime. It is Republican leaders in Atlanta who are scared. They are scared of losing power. And they're trying to make deals with the devil to not lose power. You know what's going to happen? Not only are they going to burn the bridge, not only are they going to burn bridges, they're going to lose power. They're going to burn bridges with their base and they're going to lose power because they're not willing to stand up to the woke mob. And they're willing to and they're willing to let the left tar and feather their base. It's not going to end well for them. They want to get rid of the Hope Scholarship, y'all. The Republicans in the Georgia House of Representatives want a casino so bad, they want to end the Hope Scholarship as you and I know it. They want to means test the Hope Scholarship. That upends the vision of Zell Miller. 
and it upends the dreams of so many kids to go to college who didn't have to worry about their parents. As long as they were academically successful, they could go to college and they're not going to be able to because of Republicans in the state legislature. What is the point of a Republican majority if the Democrats get their way on everything? You can't even get religious liberty legislation. The Republicans in Atlanta are scared. They're scared about a budgetary shortfall, and they're scared about a Democratic wave, and they're acting out without a plan, with gutless leadership in the state legislature, corrupt leadership in the state house. And, you know, meanwhile, the governor, the governor's distracted fighting a virus. You can't blame him. You know, he actually came out and said they can take some money out of savings to forestall some of the budgetary effects and everything will be okay. And the, and the state legislature hadn't even heard him yet. Do this. This is insane. Um, the governor probably, probably needs to step up now and say something about this house plan to gut uh, the Hope Scholarship and probably needs to step up now and say something about this, this idiocy in the state Senate where they, they want to essentially put you in a hate crimes database for a mere accusation. Uh, it, it's actually time to get some leadership in Atlanta today uh, speaking up about the stupidity of Republicans in the state legislature because, by God, they are being genuinely stupid. It is Eric Erickson here. To the phones we go, 877-973-7425. Mike and Calhoun, you're going to be up first. Welcome. Oh, thank you, Mr. Eric. Um, sure. I really enjoyed listening to you in the morning. Uh, I wanted to comment on the Black Lives Matter calling uh, Hispa- uh, Hispanic people black. Uh, I'm married to a lady from Colombia. She wouldn't consider herself anything but Cotillion, especially her father's system. Our family came from from Spain, you would say. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I, I'm I'm. This is part of I I really think the wokeness crowd trying to co-opt everyone else, uh, everyone who is non-white. Uh, you, you know, there there's actually Mike. There's a there's a story. Oh, it's Andrew Sullivan in New York Magazine about how even now in woke communities, if you are gay, but you're white, you're not considered woke enough. Uh, gay white men are considered just as bad in, in woke communities. Now, which I, I would have had no idea, but gay white men are considered just as bad as straight white men in woke society now. Uh, they are considered to be part of the problem. And it is the woke crowd consuming itself. Y'all, I I say all the time when it comes to the woke crowd, have you ever read the books, The Lord of the Rings, or have you seen the the movies, Lord of the Rings? The thing that Peter Jackson in the movies about Lord of the Rings gets right uh, and that um, that the books capture so well is that the forces of Mordor, are always, always as nasty to each other as they are to the good guys. Um, the forces of Mordor always into a to to a person. Um, they they genuinely are just vile and contemptuous to each other. They they want to kill each other. They want to destroy each other. 
and it, he, they capture that when when you're left alone when 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 the the bad guys are left alone they fight amongst themselves and they only stop fighting amongst themselves when they got a good guy to go after and that that's that's what we have here uh, with the woke crowd they will turn on each other i mean ultimately at the end of the day you you've got to have a um a transgender black woman who is missing an arm and is muslim uh and and possibly infertile and and that that is like the pinnacle of intersectionalism right there uh no one can dispute this person's life and therefore that person is is at the pinnacle of who must be listened to until it turns out she converts to christianity uh, and, and then you can't listen to this person anymore. It's just, it's bizarre how these people consume each other uh, and, and tear each other apart. That they, they don't see each other as individuals. They see each other as, as, as a class, as a subset interwoven class. And you, you've got no validity except for the value you get as, as based on which class of people you're in. You know, this goes back to the story I, I talked about yesterday, by the way, uh, of the of the parents who are they're white, well to do, sent their kids to a charter school. Their kids, best friends are black and Hispanic, and their kids are really upset going to college that college is really interested in, in their preference for race for their roommate. And the kids have lived a colorblind life. They don't. They don't care that their friends are black or, or Hispanic, and and the white woke people. You have to care because they care. You have to care. Um, notice where Martin Luther King Jr. wanted us to have a society where people were judged by the content of the character, not the color of their skin. And wokeness says Martin Luther King Jr. was wrong. He was wrong because Martin Luther King Jr. believed this. He was wrong. Uh, and it, what a what a what a bizarre statement to to see that uh, to to see that you would you would have a, a man who rose up the civil rights movement became the leader of the civil rights movement lost his life for the civil rights movement and they're te- saying that his view is invalid they're saying that Martin Luther King's view is invalid now because you're supposed to care about the color of people's skin. You you should not care about the race of any person. You, you really genuinely shouldn't care about the race of any person. You should care about whether they're a good person or not, but you're not allowed to do that anymore. And that's the most bizarre thing in all of this is you're not allowed. You're not allowed to, to have a colorblind society. They, they, they believe there's no such thing. And this is what it ultimately comes down to. It's that they themselves don't believe they are capable of getting beyond race. And so they want to shame you for being a better person than they are when it comes to dealing with race. That's what this wokeness stuff is all about. Well, let's discuss evil, shall we? <laughs> That's a heck of a way to come back from commercial break. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number, if you would like to be a part of the program, 877-97-ERIC, 877-973-7425. We get so wrapped up these days in talk of the virus, which we still need to talk about in, in other issues, uh, the election, but we forget sometimes we can occasionally be directly confronted by evil. And the federal government uh, has shed light on this overnight with an indictment that is uh, 
getting some it's getting some notice today, but probably not as much as it should. I'm going to read to you from the New York Times. An army private confessed to sharing secret information with a satanic neo-Nazi group. A satanic neo-Nazi group in a plot to attack his own unit while it was overseas and cause in the words of the prosecutors, quote, the deaths of as many of his fellow service members as possible. The private, Ethan Phelan Meltzer, was charged in an indictment unsealed this week with collaborating with Order of the Nine Angels, or O9A, a group prosecutors described as an occult-based neo-Nazi and racially motivated violent extremist group. Ethan Melzer, a private in the U.S. Army, was the enemy within, said Audrey Strauss, the acting U.S. attorney in Manhattan. Private Melzer, Mr. Strauss added, had tried to orchestrate a murderous ambush on his own unit by unlawfully revealing its location, strength, and armaments to a neo-Nazi, anarchist, white supremacist group. The FBI and the Army foiled the plot in late May before it could be carried out, prosecutors said, and Private Melzer, 22, of Louisville, Kentucky, was arrested on June 10th. While he was in custody, he declared himself a traitor against the United States and said his plan to stage an assault against an unidentified military base was tantamount to treason. His words. Federal prosecutors said that O9A, which, like other extremist groups, often communicates via encrypted apps like Telegram, espouse a diabolical cocktail of ideologies laced with hate and violence. Experts have said the group, which is based in Britain, overlaps to some degree with better-known neo-Nazi organizations like the Base and Atomwaffen whose members have also been prosecuted by the federal government. O9A's followers have expressed admiration not only for Hitler, but also for Islamic Islamic terrorists like Osama bin Laden. Reached Tuesday, Jennifer Willis, Private Melzer's lawyer, declined to comment. Prosecutors said he enlisted in the Army in 2018 and joined O9A the next year, not long before he and his unit were deployed overseas. Before planning the attack on his base... He steeped himself in O9A propaganda and literature published by the Islamic State or ISIS. As part of their inquiry, federal agents later found an iCloud account that Private Melzer used to store an ISIS document describing the murders of U.S. military personnel. In April, after he learned that the Army planned to move his unit to a different overseas base, Private Melzer noticed they're not saying where. Not saying where. Hmm. from what I'm told, possibly into the Middle East. In April, after he learned the Army planned to move his unit to a different overseas base, Melzer began to plan the assault. Using Telegram, he provided members of O9A and a related group, the Rape Waffen Division. That's right, Rape. Rape Waffen Division. With sensitive information, including his unit's destination, its movement, its surveillance, and defensive capabilities. In one message to O9A members, Melzer said his military training and links to other groups could be useful to them. A little more than a week later, the indictment says he sent another message in which he said he was risking his life by passing along the information and was expecting results. Melzer hoped the assault, which one of his conspirators linked to a jihadi attack, would ignite a new war that would cause mass casualties. The indictment quotes him as saying, 
Prosecutors also said a promise to leak more information about his unit once he arrived at the new base so as to maximize the likelihood of a successful attack. The top charge against Melzer, conspiring to murder U.S. nationals, carries a maximum sentence of life in prison. The other charge includes conspiring to murder U.S. military service personnel and providing material support to terrorists. Prosecutors did not disclose how federal agents in the Army thwarted the plot. They said he confessed to it almost immediately. Here's some of the other information. Uh, some of the other information is that this group, O9A, loves ISIS. In addition to Hitler and Satan, they love ISIS and they love Osama bin Laden. They have glorified, this group has glorified Osama bin Laden. Why? Because he doesn't like Jews. It really is interesting that um, you have a neo-Nazi group that is apparently a terrorist group that has been linked to a number of murders, is willing to collaborate with ISIS to kill American citizens. We, we, we've been so focused on domestic stuff of late. Uh, the virus, the politics, the election, the president, the walking down the ramp, the Joe Biden nonsense, the who is VP is going to be, the Georgia domestic stuff we have forgotten. Completely forgotten. That evil is still on the march, even outside the woke nonsense around the world. Evil is on the march and there are bad people still out to get us and do us harm. And this 09A group has people here in this country who are willing to do us harm domestically. It really is something uh, to, to know that this, this goes on. Uh, and thankfully, they caught the guy, and, and they won't tell how they caught the guy, possibly a source within the organization itself. Leaked it out, ratted it out. Who knows? But I'm glad they found out. And the guy is willing, not only was he willing to confess, he was willing to say he's a traitor and wanted to commit treason. Now, they won't charge him with that because there's a constitutional quirk in, in charges of treason. It, it, it's an easier path to go down uh, to, to do the murder charges and the like, believe it or not. Um, but this guy exists. This is real. This happened. And this is disturbing. And, and other stuff like this is going on around the world. Now, Speaking of the virus, uh, I, I do want to bring you up to speed on this because things are not going well with virus. They are and they aren't. Um, don't believe the media scare scenario. You, you do need to know that the trend lines in Georgia are not good for the virus right now. Uh, there is a site that I follow called RT Live that keeps track of the reproduction rate. If the reproduction rate is over uh, one, the virus uh, will reproduce. The higher above one it goes, the more likely it is to reproduce exponentially. The lower it is below one, the more it dies out. And for the longest time, most states, including Georgia, were below one. And, and now Georgia is at 1.08. It had been as low as 0.8. It doesn't appear, although there are some people, like in South Carolina, for example, some of the um, some of the protesters got the virus. By and large, it is warm weather states where people have gone indoors and they're spreading the virus indoors, in clusters. They're not socially distancing. They're not wearing masks. Um, and that is problematic. But we need to keep an eye on on Georgia. Georgia's all time confirmed case high. 
the preliminary numbers, 1,357 cases. It was June 15th. Now, I, I've had to explain this to some people. Uh, the media continues to to do these breathless re- reports on how Georgia had 1,800 cases the other day. It's not really the case. Uh, what actually happens is you have a bunch of cases that come in, testing ramps up, you got a bunch of cases that come in, and what happens is they release, they do all the tests, they release them on one day, and so that day there may be 1,800 people whose tests are released, but they didn't all take them on that day. They, they, they were spread out, and so what Georgia has to do is go back and reassign them to the right date. And this causes media confusion and that the media reports how many cases came out that day based on tests. And George is like, wait, not so fast. We had tests from two weeks ago that were in there that were hung up in the system. And so they got to spread them out. So the high was actually June 15th, 1,357. I keep my eye on that number, 1,357, because it'll probably go down a little bit, but it's still the highest. I mean, originally, if you'll recall, the highest day had been in April, 957 cases on April 20th. And then we got to June 1st, which was 1,003 cases. And then we got to June 8th, 1,062 cases. And now June 15th, 1,357 cases. The numbers are going back up, and that's not good. It is not good. But what is happening now is that of the people who are getting cases, the average or the median age has gone down pretty dramatically. The median age has gone down significantly uh, in that the number of people who are getting the cases now um, in the 18 to 29-year-old bracket outweighs the people who are 65 and older. I mean, take, for example, this. uh, 12,278 18 to 29-year-olds have gotten the virus now. Uh, only 10,957 people, 50 to 59, have gotten it. And then only 8,096 people, 60 to 69, have gotten it. And as the numbers have gone up in the number of people who are infected, the hospitalization rate and the death rate have gone down. And the reason the hospitalization rate and the death rate have gone down is because it's younger people getting the virus now. And younger people who get the virus are less likely now to uh, be hospitalized, they're less likely to die. I mean, the total number of of people uh, 18 to 29 who have died of the virus is 11. Compare that to 80 and up is a thousand, only 4,382 of them have gotten the virus in Georgia, but 1,066 have died. 12,278 18 to 29 year olds have gotten it and only 11 of them have died. And in the 40 year old bracket up, that's where I've been. 10,929 confirmed cases between the ages of 40 and 49 and only 100 deaths. In the 30 to 39 year old, uh, 10,633 cases and only 45 deaths. The older you are, the more likely you are to die of it. There have been, there's been one death uh, of someone between the ages of 10 and 17, but at 2,052 cases. Uh, of kids aged 5 to 9, 671 of them have gotten the virus. None of them died. And there have been now confirmed 491 cases among kids uh, age 1 to 4, and none of them have died. The virus, though, continues to spread in the state. You know, we're, we're going to Hilton Head for the 4th of July. And the virus is running rampant in South Carolina right now. But I read a report yesterday that it's the Greenville-Spartanburg area of South Carolina uh, that's having the problem. It's not the coast. 
it's the the mountain area of South Carolina that's causing the problem that uh, they reopened and they didn't impose masks on anyone and they didn't repo- uh, impose social distancing on anyone and the viruses have skyrocketed in northern South Carolina and in, in the Greenville-Spartanburg area. And we're headed to the coast and, and we're just planning on staying at the house and hanging out. I'll go to the grocery store, but otherwise we're just we're going to stay at the house. We're not going to go out. If we go to restaurants, we'll eat outside. Uh, we, we still do not have very much data showing the virus spreading outdoors. By and large, the virus is spreading. It is spreading inside uh, where people are tightly clustered together. More and more people are being responsible, though. The New York Times has a story yesterday that 60% of Americans are regularly wearing masks in public. Uh, you know, in, in Taiwan, in Slovenia, uh, what is it? I always get them confused. Slovenia, yes, Slovenia, not Slovakia, Slovenia. Slovenia, Taiwan, and South Korea, and Singapore now. Mask wearing in public is mandatory. Got over a 90% compliance rate, and the virus has largely gone away. It is in countries where people refuse to wear masks that the virus is exploding. Here, Texas is a hotbed. And in Texas, you have this big fight over wearing masks. And bizarrely, Governor Abbott has said he's not going to make, he is not going to make people wear masks, but he is going to allow local governments demand that businesses make you wear masks. So in Texas, the, the government cannot compel you to wear a mask, but they can compel businesses to compel you to wear masks when you go in their business, which seems somewhat nonsensical, but, I mean, Texas is Texas. Uh, but the cases are surging in Texas. Texas and Arizona and Florida are the big three problematic states when it comes to the virus right now, and California is rapidly uh, approaching that as well. But even, even in California, they're saying, look, don't freak out about this. We know where the cases are spiking. We know where it's spiking. We know who's getting it. We know how to contain it, and hospitals aren't being overwhelmed. That's actually the good news here in Georgia. In Georgia, you look at the virus, and they're not actually overwhelming hospitals. In Georgia, we got plenty of hospital space. We've got plenty of ICU space. We have plenty of ventilators. Uh, we're not anywhere near the crisis that we were earlier. The whole point of flattening the curve was to let our hospitals get up to speed. We've let our hospitals get up to speed. They've gotten up to speed, and now we're doing the right thing. Now, if people would just wear masks, and you know, I do have to say, I went into Publix yesterday, and overwhelmingly, people are back to wearing masks again in public, and that's a good thing as the virus goes up. We can get rid of the virus if we all just wear masks in public. Hello there. The phone number is 877-97-ERIC, 877-973-7425. You know, with Georgia potentially uh, adding means testing to the HOPE scholarship, uh, depriving your kids of access to, to colleges and universities, depending on your income. And, and for those of you just tuning in and you don't know, the Georgia Republicans have cut a deal with the House Democrats. Um, they, the House Democrats will vote to authorize a casino in the state. In exchange, Republicans will uh, scrap the HOPE scholarship. Uh, they'll make it means – well, a portion of it. I shouldn't say all of it. A portion of it will become means-tested, uh, depriving the overall uh, HOPE funding of money. Uh, making it harder for your kids to take advantage of it. And if it, you means test it, well, you know, I was talking to my buddy Chris Burns from Dynamic Money, who is my financial planner, and, and we've kind of factored in hope and things like that for, for us and our kids and uh, not not worrying so much about having to pay for, for college. And everybody's going to have to do their financial planning. If you need a financial planner to help you with retirement or anything, I, I really do recommend Chris. He actually is mine. 
uh, and go to dynamicmoney.com. I use Chris Burns. They're located in Atlanta, but they can they can Skype, they can Zoom, they can FaceTime, they, they can work with you over the internet. In some cases, they will come to you. You can go to them uh, and actually do some comprehensive financial planning. He's not a stockbroker. He's a financial planner. They sit down and they, they take a whole financial health approach of uh, your mortgage and do you need to refinance and uh, are you doing okay in your life insurance and are you getting your homeowner's insurance? Are you paying too much? Can they get you a better deal? How can they save you money? How can you you pack away for an emergency fund and, and everything else? I highly recommend it. Um, they are good people. And uh, it really, my wife and I have benefited greatly. And we're still going through part of the program, uh, but it's dynamicmoney.com. I can't thank Chris enough for his friendship and, and for sponsoring the program. Uh, he and the first folks at First Liberty were the first ones to step up and sponsor the program. Uh, we got other stuff to talk about today, including Joe Biden struggling to find a vice presidential pick. It appears that Stacey Abrams is out of the running, and I'll bring you up to speed on all this when we come back. Right now, though, can we talk about Jimmy Kimmel? I see in my notes, I made a mistake. Jimmel Kimmel is, is how I wrote it. Uh, you know, Jimmy Kimmel has been demanding for a while now that we hold everyone to woke standards. And Jimmy Kimmel has been a fan of, of the cancel movement. Uh, he's been wanting to cancel people, which is ironic given his his old days on the man show and the like to have Jimmy Kimmel uh, leading the vanguard of wokeness out there given the stuff he's done in the past. Well, it turns out that uh, Jimmy Kimmel in the past uh, was in blackface and used the N-word. And uh, Jimmy Kimmel has for years demanded that other people less sufficiently woke than himself have their careers ended. And now has gone on vacation and, and is refusing to answer for what he did. Now, listen, I, 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 I abhor chasing people out of their jobs for not being sufficiently woke. And I see someone saying you're, you're, a, you're a hypocrite if you want Jimmy Kimmel fired and you abhor wokeness just because Jimmy Kimmel wanted people fired. And that's, that's not the issue here. Um, the issue is that Jimmy Kimmel is a hypocrite. Jimmy Kimmel is the one who wanted to hold other people to the standard and now doesn't want to hold himself to the standard. I couldn't care less about the standard, but if you're going to set a standard for other people, you should at least set the standard for yourself. I mean, I, I'm, I'm sure, I am sure that if Jimmy Kimmel and I sat down and had a beer, we would have an enjoyable time not talking politics. We would find common ground somewhere. Um, but I, I just think if you're going to try to chase people out of Hollywood and, and chase people out of their jobs for not being woke enough, then maybe you need to live up to the standard you set for other people. That That's the whole thing. Uh, you, you know, Bill Simmons uh, from The Ringer has the mob coming for him. Uh, a, a guy who has built a diverse group of people. Uh, is, uh, some of them are complaining now that his, his podcasts aren't diverse enough. And, and he's pushed back and said, We're, this is a for-profit business here. Uh, we're not here to coddle you. Good for him. But you know and I know, man, the mob is going to come for Bill Simmons now for not being sufficiently woke enough. Maybe he'll stand up to the crowd. I don't know. We'll see. Won't hold my breath. Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. Uh, man, boy, I, I, I'm, I'm getting talked about on the floor of the House of Representatives right now in Georgia. <laughs> How's your day going? The Speaker of the House just called me a liar. 
the the phone number here, if you want to be a part of the program, 877-97-ERIC, 877-973-7425. Boy, these guys, apparently I'm a liberal talk show host. Uh, I'm the liberal, and yet they're the ones passing the Democrats' hate crimes legislation. Uh, fascinating, fascinating projection on their part, uh, calling me a liar when they're the ones lying to you about gutting the Hope Scholarship. Uh, my goodness gracious, you need to understand what's going on in the Georgia House of Representatives right now. Why the Speaker, Alan Powell and Ron Stevens, uh, the two representatives who, uh, man, the casino lobby has their arms so far up these these members of the House's butts that they're moving their mouths like they're Kermit the Frog, uh, telling them what to say. It is, it's striking uh, what they want to do to get casino casinos passed in the state of Georgia. Uh, They're scrapping the Hope Scholarship. The state House Republicans want to end the Hope Scholarship as you know it. I need to explain this to you because they they clearly have no interest in telling you the truth. Um, and, And they're calling me a liar for telling you what's going on. Uh, What's going on is the House Republicans have cut a deal with the House Democrats to pass the casino legislation in the state of Georgia, and in exchange, they're going to means test the Hope Scholarship, a portion of it, not all of it. Uh, now, you need to follow the logic here of why they say I'm a liar, that they, because I'm telling you, they're going to gut part of the Hope Scholarship and means test. Uh, they're going to take money out of the Hope Scholarship and then means test a portion of it. Uh, now, why follow the law? They say, no, no, we're, we're going to fund the Hope Scholarship and we're going to do something new and means test it. But follow along the logic. They have decided they need a casino in Georgia to boost revenue for the Hope Scholarship. Why do they need to boost revenue for the Hope Scholarship? Because of the demand for the Hope Scholarship. And so what they've decided now, though they need the casino to boost funds for the Hope Scholarship, they're going to take a portion of the money that would go to fund the Hope Scholarship, and they're going to do something new, a means-tested scholarship for poor families, which when you take that money away from the Hope Scholarship, what does it do? It deprives the Hope Scholarship of funding uh, for all kids. Now, the irony here that is that if the kids in the poor families do good grades, then guess what? Uh, they they get the Hope Scholarship. If, if the kids from the poor families uh, are academically successful, they get the Hope Scholarship. And what the House Republicans and the House Democratic leaders have decided is that they want to make it merit-based for poor families who may not be as academically successful. All you got to do is get good grades and you get the Hope Scholarship. But the Republicans and Democrats in the House don't want this. And so they want the they want a casino. They want to justify the casino saying, well, we need it for the Hope Scholarship. And now they're going to means test part of the Hope Scholarship and deprive your kids of funding, deprive the Hope Scholarship of funding. And they're calling me a liar for exposing them. The speaker said, you, you mean the radio show host who went to seminary, he would be a liar? <laughs> you mean the, the, the speaker of the house who protected rapists from ever standing to justice and child molesters? Uh, uh, who's worse? Um, I, you know, I've got, I've got to tell you, they're, they're trying to push this through. Meanwhile, in the Senate, uh, they're trying to create a, a hate crimes list. They've denied, uh, law enforcement any part of the hate crimes legislation that they, they have decided they added law enforcement to the hate crimes legislation yesterday, and they stripped it out today. Not only did they strip it out today, 
they added a provision that will allow anyone to file a uh, complaint, a hate crime complaint with the police. And the police will be required under the legislation to whoever the person being complained about, that person's name will go into a public database with their information. Way to be able to target people for, for crime by putting them in a public database saying they were accused of a hate crime by someone. The left will have a field day with this. Now, you need to take action on this stuff. And you need to understand Alan Powell from Hartwell Ron Stevens from Savannah and David Ralston from Blue Ridge are the big leaders of this plan to gut the Hope Scholarship. And that's why they're on the floor of the House right now uh, calling me a liar because they thought they could get away with it. In fact, they didn't even want to put the plan in writing. They came up with an agreement with the Democrats behind the scenes and they didn't want to put it in writing. Uh, Essentially what this is, is they want a, um, there's a resolution before the House to approve the casino. But every resolution that is a constitutional amendment has with it a, a legal provision that outlines how it's going to be, if, it, if it's passed by the voters, what exactly are you going to do? And they're waiting to reveal all of that until they get the vote, the two-thirds votes on the casino. That's what's going on here. Uh, and, and they're trying to pull the wool over your eyes, and, and they're, they're calling me a liar, and all I'm doing is telling you what the deal is. And if you want to know my sources, my sources are members of the Georgia House of Representatives. Uh, the fact that they're the ones feeling the need to lie about me for exposing it uh, tells you everything you need to know about them. You need to take action to stop this. Uh, what you do is text the word ACTION to 55444. Text the word ACTION to 55444, and you'll get back two links, one to your House of Representatives telling them to kill the casino deal, and another to the Senate to tell them to kill the hate crimes legislation. You do not want a database, a public database. I mean, think about the 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 think about the progressive in your life who doesn't like you. They'll go file, they'll say you committed a hate crime, and you'll get put in a public database. Um, it is, it's, it's, it's funny. Uh, and it is, it's, it's ridiculous at the same time that they're doing it. And it's unfortunate, but there you have it. Um, they, they are, they're really out to kill the Hope Scholarship, y'all. In fact, a, a member of the legislature is texting me right now as I'm talking, uh, saying you just got lambasted by them and, uh, listen, and listen, they are, they're, they're going to means portion. They are means por- uh, testing a portion of the Hope Scholarship. A means testing a portion of the Hope Scholarship. They've got it in the legend. They have put it in writing this morning. They call me a liar. And here it is. Uh, means testing the Hope Scholarship. By the way, um, I see what they've done. They have stripped a, a underlying legislation from Bill Cowsert and John Kennedy from the Senate. And they have, uh, they have uh, substituted in means testing for the Hope Scholarship. And I look, I'm looking at the legislation right now. They they will means test the Hope Scholarship. And in exchange, they, they'll get a casino. Just unreal that they would do this. Uh, and that that's what it does. It means tests a portion of the Hope Scholarship. Uh, they will call it the Opportunity Fund. 
for citizens of the state whose household income is below the median household income of the state as the General Assembly shall provide by law. There you go. They're, they're gutting a portion of the HOPE scholarship, uh, putting it into an opportunity fund, depriving you of the funds needed to send your kids to college, all for casino lobbyists. I've got the text right here. That's exactly what they're doing. They're calling me a liar, and that's exactly what they're doing. It's exactly what they're doing. Unreal. Uh, unreal that they would do this. Um, and, and that's it. So take a stand. Text the word ACTION to 55444. Uh, tell them to kill this legislation because otherwise uh, your kids or your grandkids, uh, they're not going to have the funding for the HOPE scholarship. Now, we got to move on to other stuff because that's not the only thing going on out there. And, and, and I'm focused on this today so much because it actually is a big deal. Uh, you also need to know the governor has revised the forecast for funding in the state, uh, which will ease the burdens on the state legislature for cuts. So they're scrambling for all of this, even though the governor has said, uh, hang on, we can actually take some money out of the emergency fund so we're not have to make such draconian cuts. And in particular, uh, what the governor is saying is he does not want to, uh, he, he does not want to do all of the draconian cuts members of the legislature thought they had. And so he's re released a new uh, revenue estimate. This is from James Salzer, the man who knows the budget more than anyone. Governor Kemp proposed reducing tens of millions of dollars in spending cutbacks that lawmakers had been considering in part by using reserve funds to bolster the state's bottom line. Kemp's new revenue estimate comes as state lawmakers are racing to pass a spending plan for the upcoming fiscal year, which begins July 1st. The General Assembly concludes its 2020 session on Friday. Based on Kemp's earlier estimates, the Georgia Senate last week approved a budget that cut $2.6 billion in spending, including more than $1 billion for K-12 schools. Kemp is still projecting the state would see a dramatic economic impact from COVID-19, but his latest estimate calls for a $2.2 billion decline in revenue next year, with the budget propped up by $250, billion, or $250 million dollars. From the state reserve, the governor recommended dropping the reduction to basic school funding by $53 million and having university and technical colleges take a 10% cut instead of an 11% cut as they expected. The same is true for the rest of the state government. If his recommendations are approved, it would mean tens of millions of dollars more in funding for schools and colleges than they expected. To keep Georgia moving in the right direction and minimize the long-term impact of COVID-19 on our classrooms, I strongly recommend that we continue to prioritize public school education and find ways to support our educators as they continue to serve in communities throughout Georgia. The governor recommended lawmakers approve $15 million to establish a grant program to pay for better training for state and local law enforcement and $2.47 million for a new state trooper class in the upcoming year. Remember, they had to, to get rid of the entire uh, state trooper class because they cheated on a test. Uh, that's what's happening in the state right now. Uh, the governor also wants lawmakers to approve borrowing $139 million for maintenance and repair work at state facilities, uh, state-owned railroads, and bridges to address infrastructure needs. The budget approved by the Senate already had a billion dollars in borrowing. Um, but So there are still going to be cuts. But if they take $250 million out of the uh, state reserves, the cuts won't be as bad. Meanwhile, the state house continues to advance its plan to cut the HOPE scholarship funding uh, and create a means-based scholarship, uh, 
depriving the Hope Scholarship of necessary funds to keep going, which remember the governor and the Republicans of the Senate had long said they were okay with the casino legislation so long as uh, all the money went to Hope. And that's what the deal was with the House as well. And now the House is saying, no, no, we're actually going to deprive the Hope Scholarship of money. Uh, this plan needs to be killed. Text the word action to 55444. They can call me a liar all they want, but the legislation proves I'm right. And they're the ones with the casino lobbyist hands so far up their backside. They're moving their lips like Kermit the Frog. Well, yep, I've I've got the, I, I, I have it. I've got it for you. I've got the language. Uh, let me, let me read you the language right here. Remember they wanted the, the casino because they needed the revenue to prop up the Hope Scholarship. And now that they want the casino and they're not going to give it to the Hope Scholarship, uh, let me read for you the language from the legislation. Uh, the, the money will go to, quote, the Opportunity Fund. It is hereby created from which funds shall be dispersed for the provision of pre-kindergarten and post-secondary education services to citizens of the state whose household income is below the median household income in the state as the General Assembly shall provide. The General Assembly is authorized to appropriate monies to both funds. That would be hope as well. And such funds paid into the funds shall not be subject to the provisions of, of uh, regarded the lapsed funds of the Constitution, meaning they'll they'll go into these funds and stay. Uh, the median income in Georgia is $58,000. So if you make 58000 or more, uh, your kids will be cut short of their funding for the HOPE scholarship. Um, there yet that that's the deal they cut the one they say I'm lying about. I just read you the legislation. Uh, it's, it's fascinating to listen to them say that people are lying when this is actually happening, uh, and, and shame on them for, for doing this and betraying people, hijacking legislation from the state Senate in order to try to get something like this done is infuriating. Uh, I'll tell you what else is infuriating. What happened at NASCAR? Uh, the 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 noose. Now, I, I, I have friends, people close to the program who aren't sure that it actually happened that way. But uh, the NASCAR team and, you know, they're going to have to find who did this because the area where the um, where the noose was found was in a secure facility where because of the virus, there was uh, restricted access and so they got to be able to figure out who went in there. Uh, Bubba Wallace, uh, the area was left where his car is. And um, the Sonoma Raceway folks say that they found it. The Department of Justice is investigating now as to who left the noose in Bubba Wallace's stall. What's more revealing to me here is the reaction from elite progressives on their contempt for NASCAR. Remember Jamel Hill, who was so contemptuous of people, they had to uh, can her from ESPN. Listen to her. Uh, yeah, I mean, for him, um, you know, what he's done, how he's been able to speak to some issues that, frankly, you pretty much never see discussed in NASCAR. And for the blowback and the reminder, the painful reminder of just how much people are invested in remaining and maintaining racist institutions, for him to get that message, um, I think uh, it's just beyond unfortunate. It's sad. Um, but NASCAR, they've had to deal with maybe not directly nooses and stalls, but the shadow of the Confederate flag being considered a symbol that you often saw at NASCAR races, these very overt reminders about 
who this sport is exactly for and who should be a fan of this sport. Um, this is something that they've been dealing with a long time. And unfortunately, in this way, these issues bubble to the surface. Contempt for people who watch NASCAR in general is something I, I've seen coming out of the woodwork with people this week. Um, it, look, I'm not a NASCAR fan. I got a friends and family who are. I've just never seen the need to watch cars go around in a circle all day. Uh, but I got a lot of friends who love it. Uh, my buddy Doug Turnbull, who does traffic uh, at WSB in the evening uh, on my show there, is a huge fan of uh, NASCAR, uh, has has for years watched it and commented on it. And I, I just I, I'm, I'm appalled at, at, at progressives who would look at fans of NASCAR uh, people, people who are friends of mine, uh, relatives of mine and turn their nose up at them that somehow they're, they're a bunch of racist ticks. There is definitely an element in the fans who, because of tradition are upset with the removal of the Confederate battle flag and the pro prohibition on it. Someone hired a plane apparently and flew one over the last race. There was a parade of Confederate battle flags. A lot of it, we're, we're in this contrarian mood these days in the country. But your average fan of NASCAR is a good, hardworking person who is not racist, does not have a racist bone in their body, just wants to watch the sport. And people like Jamil Hill drip with disdain for them, which is why she's not very successful because she can't help but be contemptuous of people she doesn't relate to. And that's unfortunate. Uh, But this is something we're seeing more and more in society as people – uh, who don't interact. And, you know, this is this is more common on the left than the right. If you're on the right, just th- think about this. I, I, I want you to listen to me. I don't care where you are right now, whether you're, you're in, in Dalton, you're in Jasper, you're in Macon, you're in Athens, Clarksville, Rome, Valdosta, Vidalia, Savannah, Statesboro, wherever you're listening to this show right now. And you're a conservative. When is the last time you came into contact with someone who's progressive? I guarantee you, if not today, it was yesterday. But if you're a progressive listening to this program, and I know you listen because I get hate mail. We had a woman call earlier outraged that I would be outraged at means testing the Hope Scholarship. That just rich kids are subsidizing, letting the state subsidize their kids' college. We, We get progressives listening. And if you're progressive, particularly if you're in the metro Atlanta area listening, you are really likely to be able to go your entire day without encountering conservatives. You can live in Midtown Atlanta as a, as a liberal and work in Midtown Atlanta and never have to encounter a conservative. But if you're a conservative, on a daily basis, you're encountering someone to the left of you. It is, by the way, why conservatives are better able to understand the arguments of the left than the left is able to understand the arguments of the right. I actually did this one time as a challenge on on Twitter to try to get a, a progressive to honestly explain a pro-lifer's view of abortion, and no one could do it. Pro-lifers can routinely explain the arguments of the left when it comes to abortion better than the left can explain their own argument. But the left cannot articulate uh, the right because they don't understand us, because they don't interact with us, and, and they drip with disdain for us. They don't want to live anywhere near us. 
That's why you have the, these left-wing enclaves around the coast where, where they're safe zones for them. They don't have to come into contact with ideas that interfere with them. And this is a growing concern and growing intolerance on the left these days. All right. It is irrigate. Man, I'm apparently real popular in the state legislature today for, for daring to call them out. Uh, the hate crimes legislation, they've engrossed it in the Senate. That means that uh, it will not be amendable. Uh, so the the, <laughs> the the left will use that against you for a long time coming. Um, and it, I, I, I got to, so I'm looking at this legislation, man. Um, <laughs> um, the, the legislation, let me explain to you what happened. I, I've got some listeners emailing now. The, it is Senate Resolution 841. Senate Resolution 841 is an act uh, to petition the judiciary for declaratory relief for certain acts of the state that violate the law. It was sponsored by John Kennedy and Bill Cowsard and Chuck Huffstetler and Jesse Stone and William Ligon and Frank Ginn and the Ginn in the Senate. It went to the House Regulated Industries Committee by order of the Speaker who stripped out all the language and then substituted in language uh, to legalize the casino. And that was done on the 17th. That was the vehicle by which they chose to do it. Uh, and now they want it to be the casino legislation. And again, I, I want to read for you the language because the, they say I'm lying and, and I'm reading this language right here. Proceeds derived from the taxation of the paramutual betting, casino gambling, and sports betting activities provided for shall be used to maintain the emergency powers fund at a level equal to 10% of the prior year receipts of the general fund of the state Treasury, So it won't go to prop up hope. It will go to the emergency fund for the state. Remaining proceeds shall be split equally between the general fund of the state treasury and an opportunity fund. The opportunity fund shall disperse to pre-kindergarten and post-secondary educational services to citizens of the state whose household income is below the median household income in the state. So they told us, they told us that we needed casinos in the state of Georgia to boost funding for the Hope Scholarship. And instead now they're telling us that proceeds derive from paramutual betting, casino gambling, and sports betting activities will actually now go to prop up the state emergency fund and then go to means test scholarships for college. In other words, they're not going to fund the full Hope Scholarship now. I mean, that was the whole point of the casino was to fund the Hope Scholarship. I'm just, I'm reading you the language from the legislation. They say I'm lying to you. And I'm just reading you the language. This is what the House of Representatives has proposed. David Ralston and Ron Stevens and Alan Powell this morning took to the floor of the House of Representatives in Georgia and called me a liar for telling you they were doing this. And then they unveiled the text of the legislation. And it's exactly what I told you they were doing. They're taking the money that was meant for the Hope Scholarship and they're going to means test it. 
So they won't fully fund the Hope Scholarship. That means your kids will not be able to get the college scholarships from Hope that you were expecting. That's what they're doing. That's what the Republicans are doing in the, in the state house. Meanwhile, your state Senate Republicans are no longer going to protect police officers under the hate crimes legislation, and they have engrossed it, meaning no one can make changes to it. And uh, they're giving the Democrats exactly what they want with hate crimes legislation. And there is a provision uh, from what I am told, I have not seen the, the language, but I am told by someone who was in the committee that they added a provision for reporting of hate crimes accusations. Um, it, it, this, this is, this is absurd. What, what is the point of having Republicans in control of the state legislature? If they're going to give the Democrats everything they want and sabotage the hope scholarship in the process, what, what is, what is the reason for having Republicans? Why not just let the Democrats do it? I, I, I don't understand what the reason is for having Republicans who call themselves conservatives sabotaging the Hope Scholarship and, and and essentially making it easy for left-wing activists to expose your personal information by just filing a complaint with the police saying you committed a hate crime. But there you have it. That's what's going on in the state of Georgia right now. A complete capitulation. Uh, where is the governor on this? I, I, I got to ask this. I, I very much like the governor, tremendously like the governor. Where is the governor on this? I mean, the governor said he was okay with the uh, Hope Scholarship funding and he wasn't going to stand in the way or, or try to fight the casino legislation. They're doing it as a constitutional amendment, so he gets no veto of it. But he was not going to stand in the way. He wasn't going to campaign against it. He wasn't going to pr uh, pressure people to vote against it if it didn't impact Hope. And and now they're, they're not even sending the money to the Hope Scholarship. They're not even sending it. Now, a, a listener, Gordon, has emailed, and he said, how is the hope-killing bill to be phased in, or is it fully enforced on the day it's passed? It depends on the constitutional amendment. Here's, here's what would happen. Uh, and again, you got to remember the background here. They want a casino in the state because they say we need additional revenue sources to fund the Hope Scholarship. So what the legislation would do is put a constitutional amendment on the ballot for voters to decide, should Georgia have casinos? That's going to pass. I mean, the casinos will pour in so much money uh, that there's no point in opposing it because it's going to pass. If it gets to the voters, it'll pass. Uh, voters see nothing wrong with it. That they'll, they'll pass it. And they'll say, hey, the money will go to the Hope Scholarship. Except what they've done is that uh, when taxes are generated off the revenue from gambling, it's not actually going to go to the Hope Scholarship now. It's going to go to something they're calling the Opportunity Fund, which will be a means-based uh, scholarship, which doesn't sound bad, helping poor kids go to college, but here's, here's the point. If a poor kid in Georgia has good grades, they would get the Hope Scholarship, except they're now starving the Hope Scholarship of money with this. This money was supposed to go to Hope. And now they're saying it's not going to go to hope. It's going to go to this. So it doesn't matter if you get good grades now. It matters if your family makes less than $58,000 a year. That's really problematic because if the money went to the hope scholarship, well, you could, you could prop up hope altogether. And, and you could access those poor kids 
if they have good grades, could go to college. What they're, they're essentially doing now is they're starving the Hope Scholarship of money for this new scholarship. And over time, you know what's going to happen. The, the Democrats are going to say, hey, well, look, we've got a greater constituencies who need this opportunity fund. Forget the Hope Scholarship. we got to help over here. And they're going to starve the Hope Scholarship with more money over time. And fewer and fewer kids will be able to get the Hope Scholarship because there will be less money there because of what the House of Representatives wants to do. And it's the Republican leaders who are doing this because they're desperate for a casino and they need Democratic votes. And the way to get to the Democratic votes is to kill the Hope Scholarship. Listen, the, the left these days, they, they don't like Zell Miller anymore anyway. They don't have a legacy of support for Zell Miller. Zell Miller back George Bush, remember? The, 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 the love affair is over. Uh, where is the governor on this? The, the governor of the state of Georgia needs to, to actually be vocal on this, not just behind the scenes. The governor of the state needs to come out. Uh, why is everybody letting David Ralston do this sort of stuff? Uh, the man who's kept child molesters from ever having to face, accused child molesters from ever having to face justice, is the man doing this with the Democrats? Why? Uh, David Ralston can call me a liar, but I never stopped anyone from having to face justice for allegedly uh, molesting a child, particularly a preacher who was accused and, and actually pled guilty to inpro- inappropriately touching a, a girl. He wants to call me a liar, and, and he did that. And he's doing this, scrapping the Hope Scholarship. Uh, text the word ACTION to 55444. And you need to tell your state legislator, uh, Dale Washburn, if you're, I guess he's in Atlanta today. Dale Washburn is my state representative. Uh, he better oppose this on the floor of the House Representatives. Um, I mean, your state representative, you should be beside yourself that they're scuttling the Hope Scholarship here in Georgia, uh, doing this just for getting casino votes. And they don't even want to be honest with you. They're calling me a liar for pointing it out. All I'm doing is reading you the text of the legislation. If I'm lying, it's because they're lying that they put out the law. Um, it's just, it's crazy. Why Why are Republicans in charge? Okay, look, I, I could beat this dead horse uh, all, all day long. You guys need to take action, though. Text the word ACTION to 55444. Uh, you, you need to stop this. You, you need, to, you need to, to stand up on this. You need to, to, to take a stand. Now, uh, we need to get to campaign politics. Uh, we do, because there is campaign politics out there. Joe Biden continuing to vet uh, his candidates. Joe Biden continuing to try to find a vice president. I've been telling people since last year, Michelle Gresham, who is the governor of New Mexico, was uh, my wild card pick. I suspect she'll be the vice presidential candidate. Uh, Now, you don't know who she is. She would be the first Hispanic is uh, first Hispanic vice president. She's the first statewide elected Hispanic female Democrat. Now, that's a mouthful. Uh, we have had uh, elected statewide Hispanic leaders, but they've always been Republican. Um, we've had uh, statewide elected Hispanic females, and they've always been Republican. She's the first female Hispanic to be elected statewide as a Democrat, which makes her historic. She also has a background in public health. She was a public health commissioner in, Arizona, in New Mexico. She then became a congresswoman. She then ran for governor, and she won. And I keep hearing her name buzzing about Kamala Harris as well. I keep hearing her name. I am less and less convinced it's going to be Kamala Harris. I'll tell you who it's probably not going to be. Stacey Abrams. 
Stacey Abrams uh, is no longer saying whether or not she's being considered or still being vetted. Someone who is being considered and is being vetted is Keisha Lance Bottoms, the mayor of Atlanta, who has more executive experience than Stacey Abrams and has presided over, represented more people as an elected official than Stacey Abrams. Abrams, I am told, listen, I'm talking to Democrats when I tell you this. Uh, Democrats at the highest levels uh, got a little put off by Stacey Abrams. Fairly or not, they felt like she was maneuvering and grandstanding and that if she were the vice presidential nominee, she would get way more coverage than Joe Biden. And they don't want a vice presidential pick who would overshadow Joe Biden. The reason they don't want a vice presidential pick to overshadow Joe Biden, in in, in addition to um, in, in addition to they don't want the focus on the vice presidential candidate because they're not the presidential candidate. They also don't want that they don't want people to get a little bit skittish because behind the scenes, let's just be honest. I mean, Joe Biden of today, I keep saying this, he's not the Joe Biden of four years ago. There, there's something wrong with Joe Biden. Even Joe Rogan, I don't really, really listen to his podcast, but he was talking the other day about the the mental decline of Joe Biden. Why aren't people talking about it? Well, they're not talking about it because they hate Donald Trump. So they'll cover for Joe Biden. I mean, we're seeing a great cover-up in the media of Joe Biden. The media can't be honest about what's happening with Joe Biden's mental faculties because they're so desperate to get rid of Donald Trump. And I I, I gotta I gotta tell you that um I think the Democrats are getting a little bit concerned behind the scenes that if they go too progressive, too publicly progressive, that that's going to hurt Biden. I mean, the strategy for the Democrats right now is just don't do anything. You're not seeing Democrats be public. You're not seeing them out on the campaign trail. Even Biden is saying he's only going to do three debates. He's not going to do four debates. Uh, The Trump campaign wants four debates. The Biden campaign said the Presidential Debate Commission says three debates. We're only going to do three debates. Why? Biden doesn't want to debate anymore. The, The whole idea of the Trump campaign is to show people that Joe Biden's mental faculties aren't where they need to be. And so the Biden campaign knows this is sinking into the public conscious that there's something off with Joe Biden. If they were to get a Stacey Abrams, who is radically progressive on a number of issues, who's who's been out there on these issues, who has copious research on these issues, that could actually hurt Joe Biden with independent voters who who they don't like Trump. They're going to vote for Biden. But if they realize, you know, Biden's not going to be around for four years, something's going to happen to him. Or do we really want this left-wing person? I mean, that's why they've got to take the vice presidential pick really serious at the Biden campaign level. They've got to take it super serious because people are really nervous about Biden not being around. I mean, the man is, what, 80 years old, thereabouts? And he's clearly something mentally. He, he's He's slowing down. I mean, the president is too, if we're honest about it, just not as much. I mean, the president of today is the president of four years ago. Joe Biden of today is remarkably different from Joe Biden of four years ago. So they got to be careful with who they pick for vice president, which means it's probably not going to be a Stacey Abrams because she's too far, aggressively too far left for them right now. 
and that's going to come back on them and hurt them if if they were to choose her. And that could mean that people who would otherwise go vote for Biden are going to stay home. I mean, y'all, if the election were held today and it was just Trump versus Biden, uh, Biden probably would win. And you just need to understand that uh, the polling margin is so big among the credible pollsters right now that overcomes an electoral college gap. But it's June. Don't panic. It's June. And Biden doesn't have his VP pick yet. And if he makes a bad VP pick, that's going to hurt. And now the media will cover for that person. But the president's got the biggest bully pulpit any president's ever had with Twitter and the like. They will get the message out about how radical this VP pick is. And the Democrats know it. And they're being super cautious as a result. It's actually kind of funny to watch them so scared of the president's Twitter feed that they're being that doubly cautious. (laughs) So I I, got a laugh. I got an email from listener Michael. Uh, he says, I, I, I hear nothing in the casino bill that any money would be diverted to hope. 10% to emergency fund, the remainder split between the general fund and this new opportunity fund. Exactly. That's 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 the point. Uh, the, the money for why did they say they needed a casino? They needed a casino to prop up hope funding. And now they're not going to say the house version gives zero dollars to the hope scholarship and then creates a whole new scholarship that is means tested. Um, and, and where are they going to get all the money from for that? Yeah, this, this is, this is the bait and switch by the house Republicans. Now, uh, they're not going to fund the regular hope scholarship as they said they would do with the casino funds. They're going to create something entirely new that is also going to be starved of funds. Why? Because you can't bet against the house. Um, uh, th- this is, this is the, what they're doing, man. Uh, th- these people are dirty. Uh, but, uh, there you have it. So. Uh, you need to take a stand. Listen, all I can do is tell you what's going on. And, and I always take the position, never believe me. I'm a fallible human being, uh, but I can show you the information yourselves. Uh, now, one thing I, I've been telling you, text the word action to 55444. And you can get the direct link to be engaged and participate. Uh, but I also, if you want to be able, if you want to get the advanced notices of stuff, in fact, I'll be emailing the, the activist list uh, for the radio show. Uh, and that list, if you want to subscribe to it, you text the word ARMY to 33777. And what happens is you'll get an email back asking for your email address and you'll get subscribed automatically uh, to to the list. Um, you've got to, but you got to text the word ARMY to 33777 in order to subscribe to the list, uh, in order to subscribe to the activist list. And I'm going to be sending out to that list uh, a link to the legislation so you can see it for yourselves that they're starving the Hope Scholarship of money. Um, Text the word ARMY to 33777. I never want you guys to take my word for it. I want you to be able to see it for yourself uh, so that you you understand I'm I'm not just, I'm not BSing you. Uh, I'm not lying to you as, as the speaker said this morning. I'm showing you the actual language and you can make up your mind yourself. Uh, but I do want you to understand the the backstory here is they said they needed the casino for the Hope Scholarship. And now not only are they not funding the Hope Scholarship, they're creating something entirely new that will compete with the Hope Scholarship based on means testing. And the absurdity of this is that if they use the money to fund the Hope Scholarship, they wouldn't need to means test it. Why do you need to means test a scholarship if the kids are getting good grades, regardless of the parents' income? They would get the Hope Scholarship. I mean, that that's that's what's happening here. 
with the legislature. Um, man, I, 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 you know, I'll be, I, I guess I'm going to have to spend my afternoon show on this as well. We'll have to send out a push alert to the listeners on the, on the evening show to be sure to tune in so I can explain this to them. Um, despite all the, all the hubbub and it, it looks like the Senate is going to vote on the hate crimes legislation later today. Uh, and it, it's, it's the way they've changed it is not good. It is, it is not good. And they're probably going to pass it. The Republicans in the Senate are have become a bunch of cowards on this. And listen, if if they wanted to pass basic hate crimes legislation just to make them feel good, just to avoid the negative headlines, uh, maybe they should have just left it alone with the House. But the fact that they caved on first responders should tell you they're letting the Democrats drive the agenda in the legislature right now. Why do we have Republicans in charge if they're going to let the Democrats do everything? If they're going to let the Democrats do this, why? Now, I will tell you this. The state Senate looks like they may approve a bill that extends protections to police uh, in a separate piece of legislation. Um, but it's got to get back through the House and the Senate. So it's going to have to go back to the House to protect police, and they're going to do it that way. And that's an acceptable compromise for police. But what about a hate crimes registry where you don't even have to be convicted of a crime to be in the registry? Someone can just complain about you. That appears to still be in there. I will dig into this and report back to you on this, but man, the the Republicans in the state legislature right now seem leaderless. Um, The governor's probably going to have to stand up on this pretty soon and take action to stop all this nonsense.